Welcome to the Space But Messier podcast. I'm Tony, your host, and today I'm chatting with Athena Brensberger, better known as Astro Athens, and we dive into everything space, from aliens to Mars to fashion and modeling. She's an inspiration to men and women of all backgrounds in the STEM industry. She's passionate about education, fashion, and understanding. If you'd like to catch up or connect with her, you can find her at Astro Athens on all platforms. Here we go. All right, well, Athena, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on Space But Mess here. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here ever since we first met. <laughs> I know we met and we've kind of forgot we met because I look a little different and I that those Yuri's nights are always so crazy. That one in particular was insane because Bill Nye was there and everyone wanted to just like, there's like a VIP roped off area and everyone was literally like crashing the VIP tent and the security guards mm -hmm. had to maintain the border. It was crazy. I was one of those it people, was but it was crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I left with probably about like 50 business cards too, just from like so many people. I had all, all the yeah. different networking going on that night. It you was think, amazing. You think it's fun going to like a job fair and getting free pens, but then you go to Yuri's night and you're getting like patches and there was one like space beer company, I think, like Vostok. Vostok. Yeah, and they yeah. had this cool like beer can. Anyway, yeah, cool stuff at that Yuri's night. Yeah, a um, bunch of glow sticks, lots of space things, like little alien antennae. <laughs> that was the first time I experienced, well, I didn't participate that year. That was the first time I experienced a silent disco. I like walked yeah, in. Yeah, me too. It's dark and people are all dancing and there's like, there's like really low music. I'm like, what is going on in here? And it was, it was very confusing for like 60 seconds and we figured it out. So yeah, no, I was a big fan of the silent disco because like certain people will have the same light up headphones. So you know that you're dancing to the same beat or the same oh, music. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I thought everyone so was doing was, like, the same. No, so there's I think like three or four different variations. And cool. so you kind of like find your partners or like other people that are listening to the same music as you and you're all like on the same vibration. Oh, I eventually gosh. got together a group of like 15 people all on the EDM channel and just Whoa. doing like a dance circle. It was like absolutely nuts. Yeah, it was so That's much awesome. fun. <laughs> well, uh, you guys are hearing us talk about Yuri's Night, Space Stuff. Uh, Athena, also known as Astro Athens, joins us from... I guess I would say the space education evangelist, space communicator, and modeling industry. She's got such like a wide breadth of experience in what she does, but I will let her introduce herself. So Athena, tell us a little bit about yourself and like what you're currently doing with Astro Athens. And I also do want you to talk about the modeling thing as well, because not just saying the modeling thing, but they're typically seen as very different things. And I want to know, you know, what brought you into all these different uh, industries? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, the, the modeling world is like totally, I mean, the fashion industry in itself, I think is just such a an interesting like universe. It really is kind of a universe in itself, but similarly, just like how the science industry is sort of a universe in itself, you know, like we've learned just how small I think our, our like, our niche is in, in space specifically. Like, I mean, you and I like, you know, ended up 
getting on uh, this this podcast together and, and doing this interview, and yet we're like, wait a second, we met like three years ago at this massive <laughs> yeah. space party, and yeah, so it's it's kind of you know it's kind of a small world. Uh, but so I call myself a science communicator um, that specializes in astrophysics, um, just because that's what I studied at school. Uh, it's what I did research in as an undergraduate. Um, but then I also pursued a career uh, as a fashion model and an actor. Um, I've always been passionate about the arts and love everything that has to do with like storytelling and theatrics and was a huge fan of just early, um, yeah, just early playwrights. Uh, I was a big fan of that. And so in college, I was kind of at this crossroad and thought, I really want to pursue both. And so I thought, okay, well, why don't I just do it? So um, I majored in physics and then theater minored in astronomy and minored in dance. And yeah. it sounds kind of bizarre yeah um but my university i went to the college of Staten island didn't actually have an astrophysics major so they had a minor which is kind of crazy because we had an observatory on campus so we were the only city university of new york which is kind of this umbrella program of sort of the university public school system um so it's like discount pricing for like those that live in new york city residents and the only one that had um an observatory on campus um, so I, I was like, okay, well, this is perfect. Um, ended up meeting my my professor, became my mentor, and then that's how I got into research. Um, but I really fell in love with with the storytelling aspect of science. I did like my first talk on stage at the Hayden Planetarium um, on some of my research, and I just was like, wow, I really like talking to an audience. I love being on stage. I like, I love just, you know, just that. And yeah. so I kind of just started Astro Athens um, many years after that, though. So it's, I've been going for about five years now with sort of the name Astro Athens and the, the online, you know, um, brand that I built up. And cool. it's just become this. Yeah. Online really great brand. Movie. Do you mean? Um, oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> can you not see it? The light is so bad. You have the me so happy oh yay i was actually there's I was, actual coffee in this i'm not lying i love it i love it it's great sorry we'll get to that that's fun stuff we'll get to okay yeah, i have questions about what you just said um the yeah. the you said there's an observatory in new york to me as somebody who studies astronomy that seems difficult to execute is there a lot of light pollution did you actually get good like like imagery how does that how did that work yeah, um, so it was actually located on Staten Island, but it's kind of like this area of New York City that's just totally isolated it's on its own. It's like this, yeah, just it, it's uh, literally surrounded by a body of water. So to get to it, you have to take a boat and so or, okay. or a bridge if you go over a bridge. The point is, um, it's a positive thing is that it's pretty far away from some of the light pollution. It's not in like midtown Manhattan. So it's pretty okay to, to make observations. Um, that was the first time actually I looked at the sun through an H alpha filter, which was really awesome. I got to look at sunspots. Yeah, it was so cool. That was like an astronomy 101 lab. They literally brought the whole class to the observatory Damn. and we looked at sunspots, which was just so epic. Okay, yeah. so you studied physics in your undergrad. Tell us a little bit about the research that you got to do, because typically, I know that when people say, I got to work with a mentor and do research, that's and maybe this is because I didn't do my undergrad in the sciences, that's typically seen as something that's done in graduate school. So how did you get any opportunity to do that in undergrad? 
And what was your research? Yeah, that's actually a great question because astronomy is like the one, uh, I think, uh, uh, subject that there's a lot of opportunity to do research as an undergrad. Um, even now, I, I've actually been looking at schools to, to actually finish my degree. I did not finish my degree. Um, yeah. So I've been wanting to finish my degree in physics. And a lot of the universities I've been talking to, they're like, you have so many opportunities to do research in astronomy just as an undergraduate. So it's kind of a rarity that you can find in a STEM field. Yeah, so the way that I got it was, I was literally just in my astronomy 101 class. Um, crazy story, I ended up breaking my hand and having to miss school for two weeks, two to three weeks, that to get okay. surgery. I know, playing football of all things. Um, nice. And this kind of led into a lot of like email exchange between me and my professor, I had to do extra credit to sort of make up for the missed classes and work. And through that extra credit assignment, like I had to go to the Hayden Planetarium and do this huge, like sort of just the write-up of the museum. And I guess my passion really came through in the paper. My professor's like, hey, uh, I want to like chat with you after class, whatever, when you, when you come back to school. And You're Dr. like, you like Lou my paper, was... you should see me on stage. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he pretty much said, he's like, you seem really passionate about this. Like, are you a physics major? And at the time I was like, well, I was like thinking of leaving physics to go into political science. Like I'm really not good at math. It's really difficult to get through. And um, I've always kind of been interested in like policy and that side of sort of uh, just, I don't know, our, our civilization is government design. Yeah. And I was like, I kind of want to go into politics. And he's like, no, you should be a physics major. And uh, if you'd like, I, I have um, some grant money through uh, the NASA space grant and um, NSF to do research at the Hayden Planetarium this summer, would you like to join? And I'm just like, you know, undergrad, like, you know, <laughs> just came back from surgery, I got a cast on my arm. I'm like, uh, and I had just taken like a part-time job at Hollister, like in New York, Whoa. in New York City. And so I'm like, I'm like, I don't know if I can balance all this. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, of course, yes, I want to do research, like under a NASA space grant. And so, so I said, yes. Um, and that's what began uh, a three-year journey of research which ended up being really dope. I studied something known as protoplanetary disks okay. uh, found in the Orion Nebula. Okay. But I don't know if you want me to get into that right now. or Why don't you just at least touch on it so listeners can just know. Yeah, it's essentially the early stage of how a planetary system forms, like our solar system. So before planets, you know, form in space and the moon, um, there's a newborn star that forms and around it is an accumulation of debris known as an accretion disk. And within that disk, I like to kind of refer to it as like dust in your house. And sometimes you'll get a dust bunny, an accumulation of dust. That's kind of an early formation of a planet. That's Whoa. like a planetesimal. That's a really yeah. great parallel. That's great. Yeah. Um, so okay. Bunny. So I just sent you something over the chat on our, on our thing here. Um, I just want to share this with you. Um, maybe note it or something like that. You said you hadn't finished the bachelor's. You had to stop early. Um, yeah. So I'm currently taking a master's program uh, in space studies, which is cool. It's at the American Public University, which is a sister school of American Military University. So they also have bachelor degrees. But the reason why this is significant is one, it's all online. Two, it's made for military personnel. Um, so it's really accessible. There's like one forum a week. You do like, depending on the class, you do like two to four papers over an eight week span. And it's a two-year program and it's only like 12 grand for the whole two years. The wow. reason why I wanted to send you that is because you said you were interested in poli-sci. With a bachelor in communications, I was able to enter their graduate program and they have three disciplines. They have rocket science and orbital mechanics. 
they have astronomy, which is the one I'm doing. And then they have space policy as a graduate degree. So wow. I just wanted to throw that your way in case that's something, because it's, I don't want to say it's easy because the papers, you know, it's a graduate program. There's 300 pages of reading a week, some classes, the papers you have to put thought into, but it's really easy to fit. Like I have two toddlers and I work full-time at a startup and I still have time to maintain good grades and academic standing. So just something to look into in your <clears throat> academic journey. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. I just, yeah. I just bookmarked it. Nice. Um, <laughs> Looks great. Cool. Okay. So, okay. Awesome. So when you said that you were interested in astrophysics and you, or physics, and you were also interested in dance and you kind of told us what got you interested in dance, what initially got you interested in astronomy or, or physics? Cause I know that Obviously, times are changing with a huge movement for women in STEM and a huge movement for the A in STEAM. This is changing, but typically performing and liberal arts are separate from science, right? Typically in, in people. Mm -hmm. So you're obviously interested in both. What, what was your like gravity assist as Jim Green says, like what, what brought you to space? Yeah, when I was 12 years old, I got a book of images taken by the Hubble Space Telescope. And I had not really taken oh, I have, class yet. Do you have I, one? I might have that book. It's <gasps> in the, it's in the big, book. I think so. It's the Hubble. I want to see it. Okay. Yeah. It's like you know a what? super book. I'm going to pause our pod. I'm going to go get it. Hold up. Okay. Yeah. I would so love to see if that's it. I found it. <gasps> I want to see. First of all, I don't know if the mic picked it up, but my toddler just went poo poo on the potty for the first time. So. <laughs> I was hearing, I was hearing a little voice, but I couldn't make out what they were saying. Oh, it's a pretty big deal here. Second, let me close That's my blinds because so I don't want it to reflect. Is this okay. it? <gasps> I think that is. What year was this printed? Is there a this, way you could check? Oh, you, you know what? <laughs> this might be an updated version because I got it recently. And if it was, what you said at least, what, probably six or 10 years ago? Um, probably, I think I was probably, well, let me see. I was probably turning 12. So I was 11. Okay. So yeah, like, okay. So more years ago, um, where uh, is, I sometimes forget how old I am these days. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm, like... <laughs> I'm 28 and okay, I'm 29. my brother was like, Hey, did you have Mr. Alwine was a teacher? And I was like, yeah, I had him freshman year for math. And he was like, would he remember you? And I was thinking back and I was like, that was 15 years ago. I was That's a freshman crazy. in high school yeah. 15 years ago. <clears throat> Which is like insane. Well, so when I was actually, when I got that book, um, I didn't know there were real images. Like I just, I don't even think there was like a cover on there. I just was like, oh, blah, 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 blah. This is really cool. And I thought they were like paintings. I mean, that's oh literally what I sounded like at 12 years old. I was like, oh, this is artwork. Cause back then I was like, I want to be a fine artist. I want to pursue art. And so I just thought they were like some type of, like the, like the picture behind you. I thought they were, paintings of things right. and and then like my friend says to me she goes well these are real images of things called galaxies and nebulae and there's like billions of other stars out there like our sun and likely billions of other planets where there might be life on it and it just was like my 12 year old brain just had like a mind explosion and was like <gasps> and I just knew oh, like cool. at that moment I'm like I gotta pursue this like this is literally the ultimate human job like I almost feel like this is like my purpose as a human being. It's, it's just a human being purpose is to figure out all that other stuff out there. Like, why would we stick to just earth when there's like so much more out there? 
So yeah. that's what really inspired me. <laughs> cool. Okay. I love yeah. that. Sorry. You got me so excited. And I saw the Hubble book. Uh, I was cleaning stuff out. Uh, we were trying to, we were trying to like consolidate a lot of our things and get rid of stuff we don't need. And I found the Hubble book in a big stack of books. And I was like, man, I got to take that out. And so as soon as you said it, I was like, found my excuse. Going to go take it out. Bye. So sorry. About that. <laughs> no, it's uh, okay. Okay. So you, I'm, I'm going to touch on the stereotype one more time because I was also yeah. in the arts and I was in drumline and I was a musician in high school. And then going to this, uh, as I told you before, like I went through, I, I told a bit of my story on the last episode, but I just did communications because it was easy. I kind of felt a little too stupid for school, just needed a degree because my parents were like, it's useful to have a bachelor's degree. And then at the last semester, I fell in love with space. So I started pursuing that. But up until then, I felt a little too stupid to pursue it until somebody showed me that I wasn't right. Um, for you, coming from, I guess, a background of the arts, I guess, I, even though you probably started a little earlier, I guess that that preface wasn't even necessary. But was, were there times where space, studying space or, or whatnot just felt too hard? Like you're in the field. Yeah. Now, you are uh, an educator at the Dexter School, which I want to hear about a little more. Yeah. You've been on these these shows. Like, you did a, a video with Fraser Kane, which I swear start uh, the astronomy cast was like my first exposure to astronomy. Right, so cool. <laughs> and you did all these ones with like futurism and seeker. And you you are like a you are a science educator in the wild, right? So you've <laughs> you've made it in terms of what you're doing. Um, clearly. Um, you have the smarts or whatever, the knowledge to be pursuing this. So in school, did it ever feel too hard? Yeah, of course it did. I mean, all of this is unfamiliar until you start actually familiarizing yourself, I think, with like even just the words. I mean, the vocabulary of science alone is just like preposterous to people. I mean, it's absolutely <laughs> crazy. Even the word yeah. preposterous, I think that's the accurate word. I learned it from a child, a children's book called Tobias the Turkey. I don't know oh, if anyone out there listening knows about that book. That, that was, <laughs> that was my life as a kid growing up. It was a Thanksgiving book and ironic. I don't even, ironically, I don't even eat turkey on Thanksgiving. I'm vegan, but anyway, that's what the point. Um, <laughs> but it's just so crazy. I mean, you look, look at terms like you know, um, <clears throat> gravitational singularity, centripetal acceleration, accretion disk. You know, these are things that like- Protoplanetary disk. Protoplanetary disk. My tongue has gotten used to now the pronunciation of it. But like, yeah, I mean, I had to do like like exercises like, you know, in theatrics, which was really helpful and how it went hand in hand for me is doing presentation stuff like cool. red leather, yellow leather, blah, like all of that. Unique and New York. <laughs> unique New York, yeah, exactly. Um, but but realistically, yeah, this stuff is not natural vocabulary to, you know, just a human being, you know, like especially a child. And so whatever age it is, you start to learn about it. It's really, I think, about being patient with yourself to, to you know, give yourself time to let your brain really absorb that knowledge, not just kind of like memorize and regurgitate, but actually process and understand it. And my real learning began when I actually started teaching. My real learning and understanding began when I started kind of like presenting this stuff, which is why I fell in love with science communication on the stage that day. Because yeah. I actually understood my research at a deeper level when I was able to 
explain it to others who knew nothing about this and even address their questions, which a lot of times were either really simple or really complex. So to address that real quick and to kind of connect the dots, <laughs> we, we heard about your ability or your opportunity to do research at Hayden Planetarium. Is that what led to you presenting on the stage? Yeah. Yeah, okay. we, we did um, actually every Friday, which was such a great exercise with the research students, they had us do like mini presentations on like a subject of choice, not related to our research. And we had actually have to do other science subjects because their research experience for undergraduates, the REUs, would all get together. So had, there'd be biology, paleontology, um, astrophysics, like a couple others, bio, um, and we'd all get together chemistry and we'd have to do each other's subjects. Oh, and so gosh. that was actually a really great way oh. of understanding. It was, I mean, it was brilliant. It was yeah. such a brilliant method. Um, and what was also great was we would do this on Fridays and then it'd be followed by like, you know, depending on your age, Friday wine and cheese or, you know, grape juice and cheese. And, um, and that would be held as well. So this way we're all able to then elaborate on our research with each other afterwards in a sort of networking situation, which is actually common in a lot of presentations too. If you go to like AAS, American Astronomical Society, um, or other places um, where people are doing presentations, afterwards is usually like a networking portion where everyone gets to kind of chat with each other about the research. Yeah. And so this was such a great way to prep students at a pretty young age. I mean, we were undergrads. So this was such a great way to prep us to hold these types of not only intellectual conversations, but social. I mean, to, to be not socially awkward, to be free and like open and willing to talk to people. And this is a really important thing, especially with students, um, even at younger ages, is having the social interactions. So that's what's gonna really allow for us, I think, to um, just explore more in the sciences in general. Yeah, because those those topics typically aren't given opportunities to be social, which is why they're mm -hmm. seen as mostly these shut-in, research-based, you're not talking to many people uh, type of subjects. Interesting. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. Um, so, so going back to what you're saying about, you know, yeah, there, there were definitely were times where it was super difficult. Um, math did not come natural to me at all. I, I did not. And I, and I really loved the idea of math. Like at first I was like, I want to understand it because it's kind of like, once you do, it's like this, this superpower almost. Cause it really is kind of oh, like this language in itself. Everything has an answer. It's not like yeah. sociology where they're like, what's your opinion? This'll be graded. You're like, what? It's like, yeah. no, no, this yeah. trig function has an answer and you need to figure it out. Yeah, I agree. that's why it's so, it's so great. Uh, but it definitely took, took me a long time. I was, yeah, I was actually doing remedial algebra in college, which is like, can be seen as such an embarrassing thing. And it kind of is, but also like, it's such a humbling thing because remedial algebra is like, you know, a slower version of algebra. And like, I had to do that through most of school is actually get like extra tutoring, extra, like just time on exams um, because math did not come easy. But the second I got the calculus though, oh. it just blew my mind. I mean, I'm right through it, buzzed yeah. right through it. I mean, it was That's just, the first it just one made apply. so much sense. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So That's cool. I went yeah. to school with this woman. Um, her name was Liz, shoot. Oh gosh, she's gonna, I hope she's not listening. Sorry, Liz. She, <laughs> is brilliant she's one of the people you meet where you're like i need to stay caught up with you because i need to know what you discover someday one of those where you're just like wow. your brain works differently and you're yeah you're just there already she would like dream of equations she would like dive wow. into these crazy books that she didn't really understand the math behind but she would be able to mm -hmm. dive into all these theoretical physics books and just 
try to grasp it and understand it. One of those where you're just like, you're just built different, you know? Um, yeah. She was taking remedial algebra in community college because she just never went to school. And she's like, I don't know why my brain's able to comprehend the surface level of the theoretical physics. I just need, I systematically, I have to get my algebra and calc done first. So she went through beginning algebra. And then by the time I had met her, she was in pre-calc. And I just found out, I think she just um, is doing work at Caltech at not a, as a still scholarly work. I don't know if it's an undergrad or graduate anyway, but yeah, it's humbling. Uh, it's necessary though. It's like what you said, like if somebody doesn't get exposed to space if they're, until they're 30, that means they still, yeah. have to, they still have to learn everything. It's not just because they're 30, they should know how to do all these complex math. It's like, no, kids, when kids are exposed, they learn it easier. So don't feel so hard on yourself, 30 year old, you know? Uh, right. Totally. Okay, cool. Well, that was really cool to hear. Thanks for sharing your background. Yeah. I have more Mostly questions. one more thing. Oh yeah. Can I just jump in one more time about that whole, like what you were saying about Liz, it just yes, brought yes, up yes, like, yes, these please. thoughts about how many brilliant minds exist that if they just don't get like, you know, deterred or, or turned away or discouraged because they're not that great at math, they can end up becoming some of the most like life-changing minds of our time. You know, like you were just saying about Liz, like if she didn't push herself through remedial algebra, I think you said she also was in, but she didn't push herself through those levels to say like, I'm determined, I'm gonna get through this and then just give up and say, I'm just gonna pursue a different degree. Then she wouldn't be doing the work that she's doing now. And it just makes me think about how many people think that like, because these things don't come natural to them, that they shouldn't be pursuing it and how yeah. they can be probably some of, yeah, they could be like, yeah, some of the next like most brilliant minds developing new theories and yeah, theoretical physics, quantum mechanics or so on and so forth. And it's hard because they, they don't have to, but it helps to hear it from people like you. Like when you're in, when you are that person, you're probably thinking math's not coming natural to me. This isn't mm -hmm. what I was meant to do because it has to come natural right? Like mm -hmm. if it's not coming natural to me, then, you know, Tony Robbins is telling me to just not worry about my weaknesses and focus on my strengths. So this isn't my strength. I'm just not going to do math, which is dumb. Yeah. I mean, I've had people telling me that like during that time, they're like, look, Athita, you're really not doing well. Are you sure? Like, you're so good at like acting. You're so good at dance. Like why, you're meant to be on the stage. Like, why don't you just pursue that? Like, I don't, I don't know if this is really cut out. If you're cut out for this, like I've received that. And like from close people in my life. And I just thought like, you know, yeah, I'm not going to listen to that, you know, and, and it was tough. I mean, you're, you know, like uh, young, young 20s, early 20s, maybe even in your teens. And it's really easy to just listen to that and say, yeah, you know what? They know better. They're older than me, whatever it is. But you got to just, you know, listen to, I guess, like yourself or, or what you really think is, is, is your life. It's your passion. It's what you not just passion, but it's also your contribution to, yeah, society. So, yeah, totally. Okay. Cool. okay. Now I'm done with that subject. Sorry. No, <laughs> How to this, get that in. I'm not having you on to discuss what I want to discuss. You go as long as you want. Um, <laughs> but next I do have a question that I want to ask. So I'm going to contradict myself here. Um, I want to move in to ask about some of the stuff you're currently doing and some of the really cool opportunities you've had over the last several years. So um, I saw on your website where you show everything that you're featured in, you did some seeker videos, which was crazy because I've seen seeker videos just in general. And then I see it on, on your website. And I'm like, she was in some of these. I see you on like futurism videos. And before we get into like Dexter and things like that, um, how did you get to be involved in cool educational opportunities like those videos? 
Um, so it's, I think this is why I say how important it is to really network and just like kind of be open socially. Um, Futurism started because um, a friend of mine who's actually a fashion blogger got an invite to go to Notel, which is kind of like a, I think it's kind of like a WeWork sort of, you can rent out a space for an event. And there was like a space policy event happening. It was like a space politics thing. And uh, astronaut Katie Coleman was there and then a bunch of uh, like investors that invest in like, you know, like SpaceX and machine building parts, Lockheed Martin, et cetera, um, were there. And she, I was, she invited me to go and I was like, yeah, I should go. She's like, here, you can take my ticket. Like, you know, I'm probably not going to go. Like I want to do fashion blocking stuff. <laughs> and so I go and um, <clears throat> it turns out it's being hosted by Futurism. And so I'm like, oh, wow, this is like pretty cool. And, and I kind of just was there just to sort of film the events, go live on Instagram. I was just sort of starting out with my brand. And I went over to like the, the wine and cheese table and I ended up just getting to this conversation with this guy, James, and he ends up being like one of the main guys at Futurism. And he's like, we're actually looking to interview. I give him my business card. He's like, oh, it says you're like a, a like a science host, like a YouTube. My, my business cards were so lame back then. It was like YouTube science host or something like and It was a <laughs> tiny font. So you could barely read it. Um, and he's like, oh, he's like, you do like, like, yeah, science video hosting. And I was like, yeah, he's like, we're actually auditioning people because we want to start a stream on futurism of like these videos. And I was like, yeah, I'm like, they have to be located pretty close to me in Brooklyn. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And, and so I went and auditioned like a couple weeks later and then we started scripting videos and we started the whole video series together. Um, so it ended up being this extraordinary experience. Um, so that's how that gets started. And futurism, sorry, and Seeker, um, I think it was actually pretty something similar. So Trace Dominguez, who helped start it when it was back as D News from Discovery News. Um, right. I believe I just got an email from him. I'm trying to remember. Um, and uh, I just got an, an email about it. I was like, hey, like we really want to start doing stuff like around space and astronomy. Um, you know, and, and I had just moved to LA at that time and they were in San Francisco. So that's kind of how we started out. We did a few Zoom, I think Zoom calls and auditions and sort of talking yeah. about like what I would put together, a sample. And, um, and then we, I, they flew me out and I started doing videos with them in their studio. Um, and so that, that, that's kind of how, how that blossomed. And then I moved back to New York. And so that, we, we kind of were like, okay, well, we'll pause for now. Um, because going back and forth, I think was just like kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, um, cool. so yeah, so it, a lot of it just, I think kind of starts with just yeah, just being open, going to things, talking to people. I mean, I would go to a lot of events alone um, and just, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever really gone to an event with anybody that I think about. I maybe brought like my best friend occasionally. Uh, she, she, would, she, would she would come with me and stuff like that. But um, usually I, I just go and I'll just start talking to people. And that's, I think, how a lot of relationships and friendships start. Yeah, I feel the same. I, before having kids, I went to a lot of events. And I think this is going to sound really creepy. So I know that you and I saw each other at, sorry, this is just, there's no way around this. Um, I know you and I saw each other at Erie's night. Did you go to the... Um, um, was it Insight Lander at... Um, no, no, it was NS... Oh gosh, it's the, the foundation, NSS? ISDC? No, NSF? Yeah. The one at the hotel in LA near the airport, ISDC? Was International that Space, De yeah, International Space Development yeah. Conference. Um, yeah, I was there. Yeah, okay. I thought I thought I saw you there and I was in the, I was there like doing my Space But Messier stuff, looking for people to network with and, and interview and like go live and stuff. And as I'm like clicking Instagram live, I see this blonde in the front, like 
in the front row Instagram living, I think. And I was like, hmm, let's look. And so I like scroll through Instagram looking for Astro Athens and I'm like, oh, that is her. She's live. I remember this. <laughs> I actually remember this. I mean, you, we spoke afterwards. At the I have the worst after- memory. I swear. I, I remember because <laughs> I think I remember you saying that you 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 saw that I was live on Instagram on your phone. I remember this exact thing. There was like gray seats, gray carpeting. I think we yeah. were, the Electron Rocket was the room we were in. They were talking about mm-hmm. the Electron Rocket. Yeah. I remember that. Cool. We okay. I just a lot. That's awesome. I just need to like approach you and not forget about it next time because that's the second time this has happened. Um, well, Okay, okay so and just those two times. <laughs> not to put you on a pedestal, but you are really successful in social media in terms of your following and kind of the engagement that you have so far as I've seen, right? So I think that when other science communicators, when I see you at these events, I'm like, okay, this she's like on official business. This is like for her for business, you know, like this is her brand. And so that's probably why I probably felt in the past like Maybe I didn't want to interrupt you or bother you or things like that. But next time I'll just barge right up and say hi. Um, I think I remember. Do you remember you had this little microphone you plugged in at the end of your phone? Oh, yeah. I think I remember this because you inspired me to purchase one. I actually got one. I remember this exact conversation. Did you get it? I did. Yeah. Yeah. It was like it's a little attached. I just found it. Yeah. Oh, I don't have it. I don't have it with me. I haven't pulled this out since that event. Oh, really? I've yeah, been was, using mine like nonstop. Was that the one where Jeff Bezos saved the expanse? Was that that yes. one? Yes. This yeah. is the exact event. I was actually just talking about this to, to Dude, some people. That's that so was funny. crazy that we were there for that. That was insane. I know. Did you get like to have like a glimpse of him? Like I, I, ca- oh. I caught him once like walking by and I was like, he looks like a robot. <laughs> there's, um, there's something very interesting about me. Um, I use guerrilla warfare tactics to get interviews with people. So <laughs> I um, tracked him down and got to ask him a question for the podcast. And he was, ugh, there was like, he like walked out. There was like, remember when he walked out and there was like this huge crowd around him and everyone was running up. I basically just yeah. like elbowed my way through people, like shoved this little microphone in his face and asked him if he had any advice for the next, like, I was like, Hey, I know some kids want to ride on your blue origin to space. You got any advice for like kids getting into space? And he answered it. And I was like, did I just talk to the richest man on earth? <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. And he saved the expanse. That was the coolest event. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Have um, you been watching the expanse? I actually just caught like season five. Yeah. I to catch their finale if it comes out. I'm not caught week. up. Um, no. But speaking of which, I'm sure you've heard of it. And this will connect. Are you on Clubhouse yet? Okay. Kenny Harris spoke to me about that. Um, so I, I actually, he just asked me about Clubhouse and I got this like text from him and he, he just had a baby. And I was like, are you talking about Mickey Mouse Clubhouse? And I was like, he was like and I was like, because you know, you're probably watching that with your toddler now. And he was like, wait, no. <laughs> and then he told me about, about Clubhouse. Did he invite you yet? Do you, do you have an invite? Not yet. Not yet. No. Okay. I gave you my number in email, text me okay. and I'll give you one of my invites. It is, okay. I have like six, so it's not, whatever. It's no big deal. It is so crazy. You are going to, you're going to go nuts on this app. Okay. So basically, um, okay. So it's this up and coming, I guess, social media platform, but it's more of a networking platform where they're basically chat rooms. And I'm saying this for you and for listeners, because I'm kind of obsessed with it right now. Um, they're basically chat rooms. You, you get in you can put all your interests down and then you can start a room and 
anybody who follows you can see that you are in a room and they can join your room as a listener. And then if you choose to, you can invite them on stage and chat. So based on your interests, your feed will populate all of these rooms that are currently being held. And so I put my interests in space and there's one uh, called Small Steps and Giant Leaps is a group that wow. I joined. And it's all of these people in the space industry. Athena, you're not ready for this, okay? I, you're not ready for what I'm about to tell you. <laughs> So I, Wait, what is it? you get in there and you follow a bunch of people that you want, and then you are alerted when they're in a room. Okay. okay. So I followed one person, a uh, couple people. I got alerted that they were talking about, um, Mars. And so I went in that room, followed a couple more people. Those people alerted me, blah, blah, blah. This happened over the course of like a week, two nights ago, I was sitting in my living room, whatever I was, I was sitting and the kids were about to go to bed. And I get alerted that somebody was in an event called um, like Ask NASA or something. And I don't know about you. I'm sure you're the same. I'm obsessed with NASA. NASA, science, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. And so I hop <laughs> in there. It's the associate chief scientist wow. at NASA, um, three other women in leadership positions at NASA, and four other female JPL scientists all in this room just doing a Q&A. And the cool thing about Clubhouse is that it's not recorded. It's unique every single time. You can't record it if you wanted to. And we just got to witness a unique interview, like a podcast, but live from these wow. like eight women at NASA. And then I, you raise your hand if you have a question. They invited me on stage and I just asked a question and was talking to the associate chief scientist at NASA. That's incredible. So you wow. need to get on. There's a growing space community on it and you need to get in there. Basically. It's a great, great okay. networking so far. Wow. That, that, you know, that's so comforting to hear too, because I was pretty bummed out about there not really being any in-person networking events anymore because of COVID until, you know, probably maybe end of this year. I don't quite know when it's going to be back on with any events, maybe yeah. even later. Um, so hearing this, that this has been developed, that's like so comforting to hear. Okay. So I can't dive in. I have a full-time job and I have like bedtime from like four to 7 PM for the kids. It's like our routine. Um, and I just told you, I'm like waking up a little earlier now. So if I could, I'd probably be in here all night. Like this is probably wow. frowned upon, but I was in a conspiracy theory room because <laughs> part of me just loves hearing flat earthers talk. Um, mm. I can't describe it. It's just like, it's both, um, I don't know. I think I'm going to try and get one of them on the podcast just to hear them like explain it and not try to attack them, even though mm -hmm. it's total rubbish. Um, I, it's just like, it was interesting anyway. So I was just in there kind of not trolling, but I was in there like, so you believe that the moon is a bioluminescent sphere. That's just very small and very close. And they're like, exactly. And I'm like, okay. Anyway, but anyway. Yeah. You need to get on Clubhouse. Yeah. The conspiracy theory thing is a guilty pleasure. So don't worry about that. And there's a huge growing space community on there. And I think that you would, you would love it. So I'll send you an invite. Okay. And definitely let me know when you bring out a flat earther. I'd actually really be interested to hear that because yeah, there, there is a lot. Um, of course, like, yeah, like you were saying to completely say like, this is total rubbish. Like you guys don't know what you're talking about, but to the whole purpose of why there are like certain literature and certain things that I actually ingest or read about or will listen to is because unless we actually educate ourselves on these other like perspectives or point of views, 
we won't properly know how to actually educate until we can actually understand those that are the listeners. And so I think that that you doing exactly that is, I think, important because it's it's not about it's only going to push them further away if we just keep telling them that they're dumb and they don't want to talk about. Like yeah. that's just you know it's not doing anything for anybody. It's just we're all teaming up. Oh, we're you know telling them that they're wrong. It's like okay, well we all know that they're incorrect, but but how about we actually sort of dissect what it is and why it is. And I think because a lot of people just don't want to entertain it or deal with it because it is total, you know, uh, it's not correct. It's total spitting in the face. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally spitting in the face of, of science and, and all of these centuries. So I totally get why, why a lot of people don't do that, but I do think it's uh, because it's growing, it's important that we don't just keep trying to dismiss it, but actually say, okay, like we need to, we need to put it into this somehow. And maybe your approach will be a completely new way of doing that so, maybe i yeah um okay so hold on i'm just making sure i just realized that spacex it may launch today so i want to make sure i'm not putting Ooh, in danger of yeah starlink it. let me check. no 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 the sn9 um the sn9 uh starship might do a launch <gasps> today, right oh that's today i thought they were launching starlink today because I, I know that I got mean, delayed leave it to leave it to spacex to do both so we can actually just probably targeting space wednesday th- was a day ago are you on space launch now space space flight now launch schedule yeah i'm on i was on nasa space flight oh everyday astronaut is live what this is not happening right now oh no <laughs> i hate these ads <laughs> okay yeah we're totally just um putting a stake in this podcast episode until we make sure we're not going to miss it i mean okay so it's on um let's see okay so they're still waiting a countdown but it's on the launch pad um okay okay we can just have this in the background and if and we get everyday astronaut does great coverage Did, have you seen him do a space oh coverage? oh my god it's amazing yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. i watched like his entire um uh, yeah uh coverage of sn8 which was just oh yeah that yeah. was fun i was there too that, that was, was awesome. so great uh okay well yeah. we'll just i'm just gonna keep that up in the background and we'll see I realized that was today. Um, okay. Anyway, anyway, you strike me as someone who would be very uh, very constructive to have in a political conversation with differing beliefs. I won't get into that today. That's an offline discussion, but I think that you're probably one of those people who really strive to learn the other side before you know doubling down on yours. Yeah, that will definitely. I mean, I, I spent a, a good amount of years like studying theology and uh, just kind of exploring the various religions as well. And I think that that's and both like, you know, book wise, but also personally, too, just because I was like, well, I can't really dismiss anything until I actually test it out myself and apply the scientific method by myself. So, yeah, completely. So I agree. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I know me and my me and my wife are Catholic and we are devoutly Catholic. But there will be conversations where we're like, well, this is wrong. And I'm like, I don't know. She's yeah. like, you don't? And I'm like, I mean, I haven't tried. I don't know. That's that's a conversation for a different time. But anyway, that's cool. I uh, Cool. Okay. Well, no natural transition out of that into what I want to talk about next. But what I do want to make sure we talk about <laughs> is Alien. <gasps> Alien. And Space Globe. What I'm really excited to ask about. So... Tell us what Alien is and tell us like what, I mean, 
I think that in someone in your shoes, a clothing line or like a merch line is not, not expected, but a fun next step for any, you know, anybody in the communicator influencer space. So tell us about Alien. Yeah. Uh, so Alien, uh, it's really, I guess, kind of funny how it, it started like because. Turn my Wait, thing see. down and, and let you guys see. It's that like cool awesome. dictionary style. It's blurry because it's so close, but I love it. I wish I wore the shirt today. I actually have it in the dryer. Probably just finished drying. Um, I can probably go grab it. Actually, can I go grab it? Go grab it. Go grab yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Go grab it. <laughs> okay. Did you get your shirt? I did. Oh, cool. Okay, that's yeah. much easier to say. Yeah. So um, I love I it. Went ahead and got got the large. Um, so when I first was like thinking about um, making like a clothing line, I've actually got reached out to a few times about like a few years ago too. Like when I was kind of just starting out. And I was like, no, like, I don't want to make merch. Like, what am I just going to put my logo on everything? Like, I thought it was kind of a tacky idea. And then um, a lot of, uh, like, my friends, both in the fashion industry and science, were like, well, since you understood, like, the fashion industry and you've been a model for 10 years, you know, maybe you can take kind of what you've learned and actually apply that to um, making, like, a space clothing line. Like, something people would actually think is cool they'd want to wear. Um, but for me also, like, I was really trying to find a way to minimize um, essentially just my carbon footprint with that. So like a big problem is like the fashion industry, um, is uh, like accountable to like a huge portion of like, uh, just carbon emissions, a huge portion of, um, just like, yeah, climate change in general. Like it really has like a, a pretty bad effect environmentally. Um, and wow. I can't exactly remember how much of the percentage is, but I think they're the second big contributing industry to, yeah, to climate change. So, um, and being a fashion model, like I've seen it personally, like I've been in showrooms where it's just like a collection of clothing with terrible dyes that are harmful to the environment, tons of polyester, which is made from petroleum, which is a natural resource in our planet. And all of it gets sent to a dump. Like they don't donate the clothes. A lot of these brands, if it doesn't get bought out from market, which means like if Macy's, Saks Fifth Avenue, doesn't purchase like this clothing brands like design and they say, nope, that's a reject, then they don't even like tear off the tags and donate the clothes. Like the, a lot of them will actually just send it to a dump. And I'm not gonna like say which designers do it, but it's just like a lot of them do that. And it's so bad for our environment. And it like, it takes like years to actually break these things down. Some of them take, I think like, yeah, more than a few decades to actually have the clothing get broken down and the amount of emissions that's being released. So with that being said, I was like, okay, if I'm gonna actually do a clothing line, like I really want it to be something that's just, you know, as, as minimal as possible with impact. Um, so I kind of explored everything, but then I, I got approached uh, through TikTok for Teespring. And I was like, oh, like I have friends like Boss Planet that uses Teespring for their posters. So I kind of explored their, their clothing Boss and I, I talked to their team. Dude. I love what Boss Planet does, yeah. They're Dude. actually the ones who helped me kind of start my science communicator like sort of persona no online. Cool. Yeah, um, so Sebastian, uh, the creator of it, reached out to do like Facebook lives. Um, I don't even, Instagram live wasn't even a thing yet. It was literally yeah. Facebook lives. And um, and I was like the New York location person. And then there was like Kevin DeBruin doing the LA location. Uh, and then later Ron Sparkman doing like the Colorado conferences for Boss Planet. So we'd all kind of go live for, for this page. And that's kind of like what started it. But point is, um, I knew that they were using it. So I was like, okay, maybe Teespring has some good stuff. So I found that they actually have like an eco-conscious collection. So it's made of like organic cotton. I actually just tore off the label too, because it was kind of getting all, all like ripped and stuff. Yeah. Um, 
So this is made of organic cotton and um, a portion of the of the profits are donated or a portion of the sales are donated. The profits, which I'm getting, I'm actually investing into start creating local astronomy clubs and star parties. You're so, so cool. Um, oh gosh, what? That's so awesome. <laughs> so yeah, so that's kind of what, what inspired really like creating the collection. Cause I'm like, well, if I'm going to do it, I'd rather use it like to actually gain some type of like investment or capital to actually now like put into you know education put into some type of astronomy clubs and like whatever schools that i can or um yeah or, or starting star parties so that's essentially what i'm starting with it and <clears throat> the reason i started with alien dweller of another world is just because like i get a lot of people I'm sure you get this too. Just kind of like, do aliens exist? Like, what is ET? Like, it's the same project. Show you Let's talk about my that. last. My last five TikTok notifications are of people asking <gasps> my fake NASA account if aliens exist. So yeah. Oh my right. gosh! I'm gonna have to follow you on TikTok. By the way, remind me at the at the end to get that. Um, okay, I will. <laughs> that's so funny. Okay, See, continue, that's continue. So alien, a lot. yeah. Alien, and but then to me too is I kind of feel like well, looking at kind of the theory of panspermia we ourselves may be aliens to earth. Like we may not actually be natural earth bearers. We may have come from like a space rock that collided with earth and there was some type of microbe on that space rock. And that's what really created life here on earth. And so if that's the case, are we actually dwellers of other worlds? We might've been native to the moon. Like when, yeah. The moon? yeah, cool. Yeah, completely. Or even, or even Mars because Mars likely hosted water at one point and was like this really, yeah, like wet planet. Whoa, so, what if Mars? Whoa, sorry, what if? Right, we'd be going full circle. What? I know cool. exactly what you're, what you're feeling, yeah. Have you, know, you watched Battlestar Galactica? Have you watched yes. this? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. I'm not done, first of all. I'm, I just started the last season. Sorry, I will get back to Alien. You know how <laughs> okay. that one uh, Cylon always says this has happened before and it'll happen again, you know? Yeah. What if I conspiracy theories are like both so intriguing and also garbage until they're proven to me. So just take this with a grain of <laughs> salt. But like, what if humans started on Mars it, when it was like, uh, you know, like water everywhere. And then we did this huge um, like uh, campaign to build up the science program to move to Earth because it was like coming of age and mars was losing its atmosphere and then we came here and something happened where we restarted an evolutionary process or lost our memory and now we're trying to go back it's all big circle whoa that's yeah, like, a cool science if, fiction whoa okay it really is i mean what if that's why we're so deeply infatuated with mars i mean there is an infatuation in the space community with mars i have a beef with that okay so here hear me out i'm sorry i'm derailing Back in the day, <laughs> right, Schiaparelli or whatever the guy's name is that saw the canals, the Canali on Mars first, right, in 1897, I think it was, Mario Schiaparelli. Um, <clears throat> I'm getting the last name wrong. But anyway, he looked through a telescope, for people that don't know, looked through a telescope and thought he saw, there's like this famous line where he like whispered to himself dramatically, Canali, which is not Connoli, but he, in Italian, the I makes a plural. He's saying canals. He saw. He thought he saw canals on Mars, and then like thirty years later, Percival Lowell, who was at the um, astronomy in Arizona, I believe, um, maybe in in the nineties, yeah, and he did the same observation. And because of the way that our eyes tend to see patterns um, when they're strained. Uh, he confirmed that there were canals on Mars. So starting in like 1930 something, there was this huge 
obsession with the fact that there might be Mars life on Mars and intelligent life. So this sparks this huge scientific wave, uh, or I'm sorry, science fiction wave of Martians in all scientific literature. So every single thing wow. that came out from like 1930s to 1960s was all Martians. And our parents' generations, who are all the ones forming missions at NASA and SpaceX and all these things like that, i.e. Elon, grew up on all of these Martian stories and now everyone's obsessed with Mars and I'm still here obsessed with the moon like guys we just go to them it's right there okay yeah like, there are not uh, I don't know because I haven't been there but there are not crazy Martians there's probably microbial life but can we just go to the moon like I don't want to kill people I don't know that's my I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna, that's my pedestal I'm done <laughs> But. I love it. No, there's so many people like, honestly, just like some of like my closest friends are also just like real advocate, like people for the moon, like huge moon advocates, totally, totally obsessed with the moon as well. And, and I completely agree with you. I think that going to the moon, setting up like a lunar base, like visiting there more, actually exploring. I mean, there's so many places we haven't been to. We've been to one part. That's it. <laughs> yeah. As far as human life goes, yeah, like human yeah. footsteps. <clears throat> the rest of it just yeah robotic missions which is still pretty cool it's a robotic family but you know come on yeah we could be yeah. doing so much more china is owning um, us right now we need to go back so yeah uh well that's really funny because that being said uh since, since you're you're not so fond of mars you're probably not gonna like my next collection this is my first so i'm gonna kind of reveal a little bit of my next collection <laughs> which is all mars stuff cool so. <laughs> right, no i here, let me let me put it in context, and I won't retract anything I said for to save face here. Right now, uh, so for my current class, I'm doing a um, the class is called Psychology and Physiology of Space Flight, and so it covers all the the risks, physiological and psychological risks of space flight. And I'm writing my paper right now, my final paper, where it says you're the science. Um, science whatever to the president of the united states advisor and you have to write him a letter telling him the current understanding of psychological and physical risks of a 2.5 year mission to mars and whether or not you can in good faith recommend pre preparations for that mission so it's like really having us go we have to do like wow. 30 uh peer-reviewed sources and like really dive into the research that's been done and for me, currently, it's not ethical to send humans there because it will they will surely die currently. Yeah. I love the idea of going to Mars, but not yet. So I'm sure I will love your collection. But for yeah. me, Mars, and I I mean, even in that group on Clubhouse, the associate chief scientist at NASA was like, Donald Trump set crazy goals, which was good. But like, realistically, we're not going to get to the moon by 2024. So we're probably not going to go to Mars by 2035. So Elon will probably be the first one to try. So there's a lot of unknown about that. But anyway, I love Mars. I think we should go there. I just think we should go to the moon first. But yeah, so you came out with Alien. And then next, you're doing a Mars line. I am. Yeah. Okay. Tell us about it. Yeah, well, tell us as um, much as you can or want to. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so, so kind of going back to like what the goal was as far as like sustainability and everything like that is um, the reason I kind of went with something that's like a bit more, I guess, like plain kind of. I mean, it's really just sort of like a clean look and stuff like that is just because. Um, you know, a lot of the dyes that's used and say like the painting behind you, if we were to print that on clothing, it's just going to be like, 
really, really heavy dyes, most likely the best way to get it printed on a shirt would be through using like all over print, which would only kind of be on a polyester t-shirt. And I just yeah. kind of was like, you know, I'm like, do I want to sacrifice sort of my carbon footprint and making it even worse? Or do I want to actually just try to work around that and work with different alternatives? So that's kind of why like, I've sort of gone with, with this route, but a lot of people really like it. And I, I'm like a fan of it. It's like, so, so with the Mars one, it's kind of along the li same lines, like similarly, um, but with like kind of a similar design. Um, but yeah, but, but also kind of trying to be like a little bit more interesting, I guess, or sort of unique along the lines of that. Um, but I do want to see it like expand one day where right now I'm sort of just using Teespring. It's more of like a printing company that sort of takes care of it for me. Yeah. But like down the line, I'd like to actually like create my own collection, make a lookbook, like do the whole thing I learned from modeling, like, which is like make a lookbook, have runway shows, do like all this stuff. Like that's something I'd like to eventually do. You know, I, I, I spent about a decade watching America's Next Top Model with my sisters. So I know. No way. Oh yeah, dude. I, yeah. I that was like it. our favorite show growing up. Absolutely. That's um, what actually like got me into modeling because I, I got scouted for one of the seasons um, while I was like working and doing research. And um, I like went through with the audition and then they were like, okay, like we want to choose you as one of the top 12. Like here's your contract. It's like 200 page contract. And I just thought I have to stop astronomy research. Like I'll have to stop my research. I don't know if I want to do that to do this, this show. And I was, I'm still kind of opposed to reality shows. I already was, and I still kind of am. And so I was like, I don't really know if I really want to do this. And so I just declined it, um, continued my research. And then my professor, and I spoke briefly with Neil deGrasse Tyson about that because he came and met all the all the research interns and everything like that. Because okay. we were in his facility, you know, he's the director yeah. of the Hidden Planter. Um, and, and we actually had a conversation that lasted a few weeks, uh, just sort of around this idea of like pursuing other career paths. Um, he's the one who introduced science communication to me. Um, he's I the mean, one who, yeah, the I didn't one. even know that was a term. Yeah. yeah he's the I one. I mean, it was, it was incredible. Uh, and he was a competitive dancer and was also like head of what? his wrestling wait, wait, team. Wait, Neil deGrasse Tyson was a competitive dancer? Yeah. I didn't know that. I knew he but did, yeah, did Google, wrestling, but. <gasps> the image, Neil deGrasse Tyson dancer. Um, oh, please. Neil There's one of him wearing like a electric blue, um, like bodysuit with like a kind oh. of a V cut out here. Um, okay. has like Hold an on. afro in the I'm image. Share my screen so for YouTube. Let's get this on. Oh here. my gosh. Okay. Oh, images. Okay. Look at those images. So look at those older ones. Whoa, Top this left. one? That one and then the one two over left. Yeah. Whoa. Dude, yeah. yeah, man, look at you. Yeah. yeah, so I remember him like talking to me about like, you know, pursuing dancing and like understanding sort of like this passion for the art form. And then if you even like, there's other, you know, ones who's like really into sports and, you know, pursued so much. And, and I like didn't really know about that. You know, I, I didn't think that there was like, you know, you could do that. Like, I mean, I had the stigma in my mind of scientist to scientist and that's it. And, and I remember chatting with him and that's why my favorite book is death by black hole by him. Oh yeah. He gave oh, that to I me. It was like this. Yeah. It's, it's of course about like, you know, astrophysics and science, but, but he's like, but there's also this understanding of sort of your life as this really complex, almost interwoven timeline that really has all these various chapters and you can take so many different paths throughout it. It's not just like a, a singular 
trajectory and that's it. Like there's so many different pathways you can go. Um, so I remember chatting with him about the modeling career and, and uh, kind of kind of had this like sort of like almost semi breakdown eating like celery and peanut butter and and it just was like I don't know what to do with my life and, and that was the first time we met you're like oh I want to meet I haven't met you you're you're one of the new students um and I just was like I don't want to talk about my research I'm at this crossroad essentially and um him and Dr. Liu they they just kind of were like you know give it a shot like you know you apply the scientific method to your life right now like you know try it out if it works continue if it doesn't work go back to school school's always here and so um instead of doing the show i decided to just like create an online like portfolio start working with photographers kind of built up my own um my own modeling book and uh, started meeting with agencies and got signed and started doing new york fashion week that first year and it just became this like yeah this 10 year thing for me. <laughs> and, um, and I just kind of was like, okay. And, and so I literally put my school on hold expecting to go back that following semester. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's been a while. And so it just, yeah. So, so now I'm like, okay, like got to, got to do that. Uh, you know, like, yeah, well, let's talk countries. about that. I have a question about that. So you, yeah. do you still model as your, like, what do you do full-time? Is it, is it modeling more or is it science education more? Like, what do you do? So pre-COVID, it was predominantly modeling just the past year because I had just signed to Wilhelmina Models, which it, I mean, it, to me and also, I mean, I guess to anybody in the industry, it's one of the biggest modeling agencies. Um, wow. There's, yeah, it's one of the top five, which was like really exciting, especially for New York City. Um, and I was working like crazy. I was doing like two shoots a day, showroom, like a lot of stuff. And, 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 and through that work, um, and I had such a great relationship too with like, my booker is like, I, I would sometimes call out and be like, I got to go to a rocket launch and um, book me out for the week or something like that. And I would bring them back like little model rockets and like, they got, I got them like a little um, astronaut Barbie. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so cool. Yeah. Um, so really amazing relationship with them. And, um, and, and so because of that, from working so much, I was able to actually now like buy camera equipment. I was able to now like do things for my website and was able to actually build up more of the science communicator um, brand, my, my Asher Athens brand, which was really the, the big goal, you know, like was to be able to, to fund that essentially, because I was doing all this for five years, like not actually making anything from it. And so, and, and that's, you know, it's perfectly fine. Like I was, that's, I was testing out doing YouTube and doing all this other stuff and, you know, and most of that stuff is really just creating content and, and working, um, like with brands and stuff like that. And we're doing like interviews and, um, and so the modeling stuff became, um, really like almost 90% of my life for about two years, really. I mean, after I was, I was, oh my God, I pursued my career for like eight years. And in those final two years is when it really picked up, like, which is ironic because um, when I was younger, when I first started, they're like, you know, by age 22, like you're going to be done modeling. If you didn't make it, like it's not going to continue for you, but things really changed in the industry. And um, I didn't hit my peak until I was older. Like in my late twenties, I hit my peak. I'm 29 now. Wow. And if it wasn't for COVID, I would still be like doing like crazy, crazy work. But because of COVID, I was able to now completely shift into you know, teaching astronomy now at Dexter School and like um, creating content for like other things online and websites. And so that became now like 90% of what I do. I don't actually don't even model right now because of COVID. Okay. So yeah, I wanted to ask you that. So we knew that modeling was a huge passion of yours. 
we know that educating in science is also now a huge passion because now you're doing that primarily. What's the goal? Like, what do you, what do you want? You're still young. What do you want to be when you grow up? You know, like, what is it? <laughs> I love know? that. Yeah, um, I definitely want to go back to do research um, again. I actually really want to, um, you know, kind of just like, I've really enjoyed doing a lot of the on-camera like doing stuff for televisions, doing stuff for online. I definitely see myself continuing that. But, you know, in the coming years, um, like I want to build a family. I want to be a mom as I kind of see myself sort of doing um, a kind of like off camera stuff, you know, do, pursuing research, really honing in on like my, my contributions to that, um, doing some more teaching. Uh, I think that that would be like a really great thing. I definitely, you know, want to still do, course astro athens stuff for sure which is why i developed more of like the space globe because that i want to kind of contribute more of my time to but that and like my collection those are things where it's not a lot of me like on camera but more so like i'm still at least um i think providing impact but just through a different outlet now and space globe the goal with that is to really have people connect worldwide and that's yeah, really why us, i started tell us what I, space yeah. globe is go ahead and describe that i was hoping to get to that yeah, yeah, I did a perfect segue. <laughs> you did, yeah. Look at, yeah. Oh. You've got my notes. You've got my notes like in front of you or something. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So with that, it was um, like the reason I started with Astroathens was to connect people all together, and I was kind of the only outlet for that. I was the people connector, the one who would like CC a lot of the emails. I connect a lot of my friends together, um, even through my own like Instagram page. Like a lot of um, people, I would just connect to them through my like DMs or through videos and and I really love doing that because I want it to be this community basis thing but I wanted to extend extend beyond just me and the space globe was kind of this idea I was on an airplane and saw how there were like this interactive 3D globe um in the seat in front of me of my airplane going from like hmm. it was like I think it was fun from San Francisco to Korea and I just like was turning around the earth and I was like look at this like we had this whole planet and it had the stars behind it and I was like this is what our earth looks like from space. And I'm like, if only more people had the cosmic perspective like that, you know, or like the overview effect, which I'm sure we've heard of a lot. Hmm. Um, that, and, and so I just thought like, if only we could do that and like tap on a country and just visit it, right? But because of, with, with COVID, a lot of the events now are virtual. Hmm. And so I was like, what if I just implement this, um, all of these virtual events on like a, a global like entity, and make it accessible where people can then connect with those who are also going to the same event. So right now it's kind of just, I released it and it's not like super up to how so, I want it to look. Yeah. You, you originally made this though. You said like a year or two ago for, for in-person yeah. event, right? And then did COVID yeah. just make you be like, well, let's just do virtual. Let's just publish it. Yeah. Exactly. The whole purpose was actually to, to for it to be an in-person event or for people to be able to meet up with those people at events, to know who's going to be there, to connect with others, similar to kind of like how we connect to each other on Facebook and so on and so forth. But with this, it's specifically for the space community and it's specifically for um, those who would be attending events, like how you and I met at ISDC. We also met at Yuri's night. Um, but imagine being able to connect to people beforehand and then being able to actually ha have a chat room where you can, you know, say, okay, I'm going to be at this event. Oh, you'll be at this event too. Awesome. Let's meet with each other. Now it's like bringing everyone closer. Um, or because of the traveling, if we were to travel to like India and go out there and, and visit. Like there's um, a eclipse or something event. or yeah. 
Exactly. Um, and, and so now not only are we connecting to each other, like in our own cities, but now we're connecting on an international level. And that's what I, I really want to see happen because like right now, I mean, I just, again, through Instagram, like I just get a lot of messages asking about what events are coming up, like what's going on in the space world and it's people all over the world. And it's really tough because it's all these separate categories connect with each people, with each person. But with Space Globe now, it's kind of like, okay, I could just click on an event, see everyone who's attending of all the other users who signed up. Like that's also something I want it to be. I want it to be a user base and open source um, collaboration with a bunch of people who are able to kind of like similar to how Linux started. Um, so at Linux where you're able to sort of like, you know, work on it yourself. It's an open source space and people are able to contribute to it, add their own events as well and yeah. kind of create this, yeah, like community of others mm -hmm. who are going to it. I'm wondering, you said that on Instagram, you were looking for people with programming background or software engineering background to help you kind of like sort out the kinks. Are you looking eventually to make it like an interface to where people that don't know how to code can get in there and, and use the open yeah. source software and whatnot? That's exactly what I want it to eventually be. Like, I don't have the coding skills to do that. So I was working with a web developer on it, but it's kind of this like separate thing that's just sort of like pasted on my site. But sure. I want it to be what you were just saying. Yeah, where we're, it's going to be first kind of like integrated where people who do know how to code can help sort of, the, yeah, like you said, the kinks and everything. Um, but eventually I want it to just be like, we're able to set up an account, uh, like just a little pop up. Okay, my name, my email address. And then you can put in, if you like, like make a tally mark of, yes, I'm attending this event. Yes, I'm attending that event. And then each um, event you'll click on it and then there'll be like a tally mark of how many people are attending and they click on that and then you can see the people that are attending okay. and then there'll be like a community chat where people can say oh okay cool like this is sort of like a community forum well, so i do that with facebook but if facebook. you get on clubhouse you'll find someone within a week that would be willing to do that one so you need to get on there <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. but two i'll keep my eye open for anyone that loves space and knows how to program and i'll just send them your way Thanks. I appreciate that. Anyone, I guess, who's listening, you know, yeah, yeah. you guys hit me yeah. up. You can email me, Athena at astroathens.com. Would love that. It's a really cool tool. If you guys go to astroathens.com and click on the Space Globe tab at the top, um, you can check it out. It's already really cool, but just more development to come, I guess. Yeah. Um, okay. So I have a day job that will be starting shortly ish. So there are some fun questions I want to ask you um, as well. Um, what space phenomenon? excites you most? Ooh, that's a really good question. I didn't think about that in advance. Um, Psh, I didn't give you that question in advance. What are you talking about? Oh, you did it, right? Wait, did you know? <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's Space phenomenon. Breaking the fourth wall. Excites me the most. Um, it's such an it's interesting like asking, thing. It's like asking your think, favorite song. That was cruel. So like just one you're super excited. I have about. one. Okay. I think like I think, I mean, I don't know if this would really be, it is a space phenomenon, um, but kind of like looking at sort of how time changes, so like time dilation, but also sort of just like time. I mean, I feel like time is a phenomenon, like looking at how like we really just kind of created how long a day is here based on um, how, you know, when earth turns on its axis and how long a year is on how we orbit around the sun and how long months are based on the phases of the moon. But all of that is, you know, relative to, to our perspective, to our position, you know, it's going to be very different. I mean, oh my goodness, if we were living on Saturn, which has the most moons, it outdoes Jupiter now, it has 82 moons. Cool. Are we going to use all those moons, you know? To yeah, which moon? Pick one. 
right? So, so I think that time is, is probably one of my favorite phenomenon. Interesting. That's really cool yeah. to think about, especially when you think about, I don't think there's a term for this, but like the uh, visual uh, time traveling, right? When you look at these things hella far away and they're like 13 billion light years away and you're not looking yeah. at them today, you're looking at what they used to be. Uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, okay. I love that too. Exactly. Just like the sun, eight minutes takes for the light that's hitting us now. Left It'd be a very ago. confusing eight minutes if the sun's just decided to go to go off, which we know it won't. But you know, if it just yeah. decided to do something crazy, that'd be a very confusing eight minutes because things would be happening in a condensed time. Like, oh yeah, very cool. Okay, yeah. I know we talked briefly about Battlestar, which my wife. Okay, so my wife grew up watching some Star Trek, old, old Star Trek uh, with her parents and then didn't really get into um, sci-fi that much. And then we just started watching Battlestar and we can't stop, right? It's like that Portlandia skit. Have you seen that one with, with uh, Battlestar Galactica? No, there's, what there's is one it? Where it's Fred a... Ar- <laughs> if look up- uh, There's a skit, I'm gonna look at that. Look up Portlandia, Battlestar Galactica. It, you'll laugh so hard, but basically it's, it's basically about Fred Armisen and them not being able to stop watching. They just watch it for like a week straight um, because it's impossible okay. to put down. And All so right, I saved it. I'll watch it later. Yeah. Save it. <laughs> and so we're loving that, which was cool because whatever me and my wife can, can do that. I started watching expanse finished season one and I can't wait to burn through the rest of it. Um, yeah. What is your favorite fandom? It doesn't have to be space related or sci-fi related, whether it's like a book or movie or world or Star Wars or whatever. Fandom, what a word. Um, yeah, like mine growing up would probably be Harry Potter, but now I'm getting real like into Star Wars because it's really fun stuff coming out there. Right. So I didn't actually get into a lot of this kind of like, how, how would I even phrase it? Um, I didn't get into a lot of, uh, kind of like devotional, like show watching stuff until I was much older and really kind of like, <laughs> okay, pushed a lot of the space stuff. So it's kind of like tough to sort of think like, you know, growing up, I, there was no real, like, like book series. I was a big fan of, there wasn't really a big, like show series. I was a big fan of, um, at least that was like space related. Uh, oh no, it doesn't have of, to be space related at all. It could really? be really. Oh my god, like, you're gonna laugh then when I tell you what. <laughs> no, but it could be <laughs> like funny. a Teletubbies. I, actually... I don't care. Okay, okay. Oh my god, you're gonna laugh. Okay, and everyone listens and laugh. Um, I was a huge fan of Lizzie McGuire. That oh. show. On... <laughs> and what's even weirder is I had a dream last night about Lizzie McGuire. Like I was like Lizzie McGuire, but but like it was like Hilary Duff was there, and we were twins. And oh she was God. like, I'm doing a second Lizzie McGuire. I need you to play her for me. Like, and Paolo, it was like the, Paolo like, can't do it her. and I need somebody else. Yeah, like it was like <laughs> the weirdest thing. It was so strange. I, I can't believe I just remembered that dream right now because I totally forgot I had it until okay. thinking about my that favorite show. That is nothing to be ashamed fan. I literally, the amount yeah. of times I've told my wife how bad it is to be an outfit rememberer instead of an outfit repeater, <laughs> I, I'm not ashamed at all. Okay. <laughs> You know I what I have can... memorized? Loser, loser, double loser, as, as if, if whatever, whatever. Get, get the picture, picture done. And I think it was, was it, wait, it was, lo- wait, it was loser, loser, double loser. Wait, loser, loser, double loser, as if whatever, get the picture done. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I, I just geeked out with you about that. That's so funny. Oh, Lizzie is great. Yeah. We, I think we yeah. probably grew up in the same Disney time, right? We had even Stevens. We had, um, Phil of the future. Phil of the future. Yeah. Phil of the future was so awesome. good. Yeah. Sweet. And even Stevens, actually, that's how I have, we went to the moon in 1969, <laughs> not 1970, <laughs> but the year after. That's right. I mean, not, but the year before, I think. Yeah. No, I sooner. totally just mess up the song. The year that's sooner. The yeah. People are like, oh, Astro Athens taught me that we went to the moon in 71. <laughs> I know, right? Everyone, no, no, no. That. <laughs> we loved that movie. And I have three siblings. I have two that are my age and then one older sister and we just would sing the influenza soundtrack or whatever like all the time yeah I love that yeah That's... those are great shows I miss that okay I loved Lizzie McGuire I Lizzie McGuire was great and all those shows were great so no it definitely does not have to be science fiction my obsessed over Harry Potter I mean it was kind of fantastic yeah. still whatever yeah no That's Harry cool. Potter definitely was great I saw every movie but I never read the books I could not get myself oh. through like I, I want to now as an adult for sure but like younger to, to just sit down and sit still for like a long period of time to like read through the books I know people that would read through the whole thing the night it, it was released yeah, yeah. guilty um yeah. <laughs> we reread them like every summer I think I've read each one I didn't read a lot of books I just read Harry Potter growing up really um yeah Okay, so I, um, okay, I have a question, a last kind of question for you. And I think you've kind of already answered it, to be honest, over the course of the conversation, but you do some really cool stuff. And ever since I started Space But Messier 2016 or 15 or something like that, just like posting blogs here and there and then Instagram and then YouTube and then podcasts and things like that you've kind of been present on social media and you've been just like motivating me to try new stuff. And I see, you know, that you are successful with a lot of things you do on social media. So it's kind of just been like a cool light inspiration. Uh, and you take some of the, I mean, you have modeling background, so you take some of the coolest pictures at some of the coolest <laughs> events um, and things like that. So one of my goals eventually is to become like, um, Oh, I'm getting a phone call and I don't want to answer it. Um <laughs> I am currently working in an industry in software to provide for my family. And I plan on doing that until my wife enters the workforce and her and I feel like I can take a step down into like a more educational role, whether that be a teacher or if NASA can, if we can just create a science communicator position at NASA, that would be my dream. Um, you know, there are right. Actual science There's communicator positions. There is a science communication department. Um, so one of my friends, Erin Winnick, um, I should connect you with her. Her She actually is like, I think one of the heads at the communication department. Yeah, she's in Houston, I believe now. Um, and yeah, no, it's it's like legit a thing. And also too, if you watch the launches and stuff, the, the people that speak on camera, who cover the tweets, yeah. who cover, yeah, that's all part of the communications department. Okay. Let me tell you, I, so I knew there was communications. I didn't realize mm -hmm. that it enveloped all that. Let me tell you what my current goal is. It's really cool. Okay. So for some reason, there are no NASA employees on TikTok. And I think NASA was one of the agencies that uh, banned their employees from using TikTok when it- Wait, yeah, there are. I, have not, I haven't seen any like employees, employees on NASA. And NASA um, itself as a company isn't on there. I've only seen, yeah. Well, they don't represent, and actually, wait, no, they do represent NASA. So Aaron, or, or an example, Aaron Winnick, um, okay. 
Let me head to her page. When I gotta like try to find her now. Um, here, here she is, right there. So she works at NASA. She's part of the communications department, and she even says that. I mean, she's rep it's her own account, so she's representing herself. She's not representing NASA, but she talks about how she started working at NASA, how she got what? her job, and this, there's a bunch of science communicators that talk about how they started working at NASA. Um, I, I, no I want to find, there are a few, my first eight months at NASA versus my second eight months. So yeah, okay. she even shows things like at NASA and stuff. Yeah, no, it's super cool. Well, I'm trying to get NASA on TikTok. They don't have like a NASA page, right? And so basically on TikTok, I was able to get to 100,000 followers from zero in uh, like- It's amazing. To six months or something like that. And so I started a NASA page where I'm repurposing NASA's content from NASA.gov. And I yeah. just want to see it get some growth, not for myself, but to show NASA, hey, there's like a market for NASA here. You guys should create a channel. And so um, I'll totally reach, have to reach out to Aaron. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah, she well, has like an amazing um, collection too. She makes 3D printed jewelry and um, oh. her actually wedding bouquet was 3D printed roses, uh, which is super cool. So she... Does a ton of 3D printing stuff as well, but she's at the communications department. So she actually talks about what she does as like a communications manager at NASA. Um, she's part of, I think, the International Space Station communications the space to ground. Department. So, yeah, but okay. not like communications with the space station. No, like, they are uh, communicating what space they do. to ground, like as the video series that they do, like space to ground. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, well, I, I would love. To be connected to her, and I'll check out her page. But yeah, um, I love I'll definitely do that for sure. Um, cool. Well, okay, man. I don't want to stop, but we we do have a bit of a time constraint because you know jobs and things like that. Yeah. Um, the last <laughs> thing I'll so thank you for that. I mean, I have this goal to do some cool stuff on TikTok, and now I might have somebody to talk to because we both networked and talked to each other, and that's how this industry works, right? So I really exactly. appreciate exactly. Um, yeah, of course. Last thing. Is there anything that like we talked about Space Globe, which is so cool, and I just hope some developers like me, 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 I can build it. Um, I hope so too. <laughs> talked about Alien, which I'm obsessed with, and if I relaunch Space Messier merch, I'm gonna go to Teespring and like give you all my proceeds so that you can just put it towards <laughs> like star star parties and stuff. I'm not kidding. Um, so that's really no. Cool. Why don't you do your own? Do do like a separate like you know um, well, your own? I think that'd be awesome. I make my own merch. You're in a different location. Well, I make my own merch and I don't sell it. I just make it so I can have cool space clothes. Like that's yeah. all. I have like 50 shirts with my brand name on them, but I don't sell them. But um, maybe I'll look into that. That'd be fun. But yeah. anyway, I guess what I'm saying is I want to contribute to that because proceeds going to astronomy education is insane. So that's such a cool goal. Um, other than those two things, is there anything else you like are excited about right now or want to plug or anything else you just, I don't know, want everyone to know? Um, yeah, I guess I'll touch on Dexter School because we spoke very briefly about yeah, Dexter. I want to know and about that. I would that. love to talk about that. Oh okay, my god! As goodness. much time as so, you have, I have twenty more yes. minutes. But um, yeah. okay, perfect. Um, so I just started teaching an astronomy class there. Um, I originally started kind of as just like sort of a streamer, where it was more so like an extracurricular that the students could come in on. It was called Cosmic Playground and then Cosmic City. And so we were exploring a lot of DIY experiments, um, just kind of understanding astrophysics. And Dexter School, they're a private school that's based out of Wichita Falls, Texas. And um, it's a STEM-based school. So it really started with the students learning about like 
how to 3D print things, how to code. I mean, there's students at eight years old that are learning how to code through like scratch programming, which is created by MIT. Yeah. Really great way to learn how to code. I don't okay. know if you've ever learned that. Um, or like through, if you ever tried scratch programming, it's so great. Um, okay, I haven't. Yeah, um, and so it's a really good way for students to start to learn that. And so um, I started working with them when COVID started because they had to do everything virtually. So they built up their own virtual platform for all Whoa. the students. They have their own social page. So it's like really promoting things that they create. So I see a kitty cat behind you. Oh, that's that's Gemini. Where is that? Hi, Gemini. I love cats. I have a cat named Schrodinger. I know. He's not with me right now. He's at my dad's, but <laughs> I wish I had him. That's my little cow. I love her. She's so cute. She's she like has the same color as the rocket. I know. She's, yeah. That's Gemini. And then we've got laying upside down with all his hair everywhere. We've got Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Oh, um, I love that. Okay. Sorry. Totally side note. You're I just, fine. you know, I see cats and I just forget. No, I, so. we have two cats. We love cats. So. <laughs> I love it. Um, so yeah, so it's just been, it's been incredible. Um, and, and this semester, I just started an official like astronomy 101 curriculum and syllabus. So we've been doing that and doing like stargazing assignments. And it's just been so incredible. Um, and the students are brilliant. And it's, it's such a great school system too. It's really built around like a lot of hands-on learning community, um, especially too with COVID. They're all re really learning how to do things virtually. So they do things through their computer, but there's also like an on-campus um, facility too. And it's just been so, um, yeah, just it's such a, it's such a great experience. And it's like a, the kids really encourage each other too. It's like a live chat feature while I'm streaming. So everyone's sort of able to interact and similar to kind of zoom, I'm able to bring them on camera and like showcase whatever their creation was or what they were making. Yeah. Um, so it's just been, yeah, it's been such an incredible experience and, um, such a great way, I think, for for students to just get access to to a really good education. A lot of um, science communicators are on there now teaching. Um, yeah, so like May Maynard, um, the hip hop MD, is on there teaching now. Oh yeah, um, cool. Yeah, uh, Kenneth Hutchinson was teaching on there. Science with Kenan, um, Mighty Micro. She's teaching microbiology. So there's just and the science mom. There's so many incredible educators on there, and um, the students, I think, are just getting yeah, su such a an awesome experience. I love working Dang. with them. So that's, that's cool. what I've been working on lately. Yeah. That's awesome. That is so cool. Yeah. As someone who strives to be an educator someday, I'm super jealous. That's so fun. Um, yeah. that's ah, really I'm awesome. going to ask you, um, so I just going to ask you anyway, man, for cool. the cat oh, distraction, graders. maybe <laughs> the cat distraction, you teach sixth graders, correct? Yeah. So, well, I mean, it ranges. So when I first started with the other streams, it was like really open to any age. Um, okay. So like we were doing some really advanced things in like theoretical physics and students between like, yeah, like nine years old up to 16 were joining the stream. Um, and yeah, and it just, it was, it was great. Um, but, but now my class is designed specifically for sixth graders. But again, there's during the streams, like other students can like join the stream if they'd like. So sometimes I get like, fourth, fifth graders joining, um, and they'll kind of just join in on the lesson. Um, and we'll do some cool physics equations and learn about space. It's been awesome. Cool. Yeah. Well, um, it's been so cool getting to know you for the, I mean, we've met twice and yeah. just handshakes at these space events. Uh, I'm looking forward to the next one. I actually get to see you at, cause I know you so much better now. So, um, yes, thank same, you so same. much for coming on the show. And um, I will definitely let you know when we have the flat earther on because literally yeah. uh, this is how I'm doing it. Um, I'm getting, I get on clubhouse 
I went in there. I said, hey, is anybody in this group interested in teaching podcast listeners about flat earth theory? Because we're very curious about it. And I got a couple hits. So we'll probably just, it was all through Clubhouse. So you got to get on. Wow. I got to get on there. I really do. Um, (laughs) Okay. And then lastly, yeah, I mean, just thanks for promoting a positive environment for space education. It's been an inspiration. And I know that it's been really motivating for everyone that follows you. So just thanks for doing the work you do. Of course. Well, thank you, Tony. I'm really happy that, yeah, we got to actually know each other more. (laughs) We've run into each other a whole bunch. So I hope very soon there'll be like in-person events, you know, fingers crossed, you know, by hopefully end of this year. Yuri's night 2020 is where I'll see you probably. So yeah. 2022. (laughs) Sorry. 2022. I was like, when you said 2020, I was like, okay, maybe he just means like, we're going to kind of redo 2020. I was like, yeah, don't you know, it's all about the time, the time interpolation. Time dilation. Yeah. Um, well, cool. You are in New York, so stay healthy um, throughout COVID. Thank and thank you so much for joining. Yeah, thank you. I'll chat with you in the future. You got it. Do your thing. I hope to talk to you soon, and um, I will see you virtually for the next year somewhere, I'm sure. Sounds good. All right, okay. talk to you later. Bye. Tranquility, we copy you on the ground. You got a bunch of guys about to turn blue. We're breathing again. Thanks a lot. That's one small step for man. One giant leap for mankind. That was definitely an e-ticket.